0: The Hello Careers podcast explores a system developed to align business needs with education and training. It's proven to be invaluable for dozens of businesses and people looking to create a new life for themselves. We are firm believers that you must screen for attitude and train for aptitude. We're unpacking our insight to help you build partnerships and earn public support for an age-old way of learning a skill, apprenticeship. We'll address issues such as, where there's a skills gap, is there an education and training gap? How do you respond to a tight labor market? What happens when the major employer pulls out of your community? If you're looking to create an apprenticeship program or curious about what to do next, this show could be just the thing you've been looking for. I'm your host, Mark Sylvester. Now, let's get started and talk with the team. Hi, welcome back to the show. This is Mark Sylvester with the Hello Careers podcast. And today I've got a couple of guests and we're going to dive into um, businesses and what kind of objections uh, they might have and and how we overcome them. And uh, I've got uh, Ryan
1: and Luke here. Um, Luke, why don't you introduce yourself? Yeah, Luke Wallace. Um, I'm the kind of operations director for Slow Partners. Prior to that, I Uh, owned and operated my own technology startup, and had taken some apprentices from the program. So I'm pretty familiar with both kind of the interoperating part of the program, as well as the perspective of a business owner or employer looking for talent. Welcome. Uh, My name is Ryan Shepard. I'm the VP of development for a
2: company called Gain Solutions. Uh, We do enterprise data management, about a 70-person shop
0: uh, in San Luis Obispo. You said 70? Yeah. And how many open recs do you have? Uh, We are currently looking for two juniors. Two junior folks. Mm -hmm. And how did you first get involved with the Hello Careers program and Slow Partners? I first got involved. Uh, Slow is a fairly small
2: community, uh, and so I've been trying to be proactive in meeting the uh, the, like, the technical developer network that exists here. Um, so one of the key figures in that is uh, Matt West, who runs Code Slow. Uh, and so I was following along as Code Slow uh, partnered with the Full Stack Academy to run the program and. Uh, when the program graduated and had their first batch of graduates, I was able to participate in the interview process from, from that.
0: There's something about getting first dibs on the talent, isn't there? Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. So you got involved. He, so we're going to, um, in our, our next episode, we're actually going to talk to Matt. Great. And so we're going to get some background on that. But tell me about this opportunity because it's unique to actually get the pre-look at these folks. Yeah, I like I mean, picking can
2: uh, picking an employee is really hard to do. Um, no matter people try to apply processes to it and uh, and skills tests and all of these things. And that helps. But uh, no matter what, there's still some guesswork involved. Uh, and so trying to get a, a as broad of a picture as I can about the candidate um, before I have to make that yes or no uh, choice. Uh, I find to be really helpful. And so Full Stack has been really cool because uh, I've been able to see it early on and get a, a sense of who the candidates are and then hear about their progress and hear about team dynamics and, and all of these different things that you usually don't get when you just have someone sitting in front of you for an hour and a, that's the first time you've met
0: them. They're typically on their best behavior then too, right? right?
1: yeah or completely falling on their face. You know, that's the other thing about an interview, right? As compared to the process that some of our employers get to go through by having access to some of these candidates beforehand is that, you know, an interview is one of the most daunting, scary experiences for most people and not to be too uh, stereotypical, but you know, a lot of engineers are just not great in that kind of social kind of environment, and to provide a, an opportunity for there to be low pressure, more you know, um, easy kind of exchange of of uh, relationship building in some of these other formats creates a, an, a dynamic where the employers can see truly what these candidates might be like Mm -hmm. once they're on a team, once they're more comfortable, as opposed to just that real high-pressure dynamic of being a formal, official, sit-down interview with the 10 questions that they get asked at every interview kind of thing. Mm -hmm.
0: And the tie that they bought special for the... (laughs) Right. (laughs)
1: Exactly.
0: So, you know, it it makes me think uh, in business, we're coached to think about our client relations our interactions with clients as relationships rather than transactions. And just hiring someone as a transactional thing is not building a long-term relationship with that Mm -hmm. employee who you hope is going to build a career with you and not leave after two years after you've invested. So you want them to stay with you. So I think having that kind of low stakes first meeting of them in a mixer environment or coming here to, to the class. And there's lots of those opportunities gives you a chance to get a sense of who they are outside of the interview process. I love that. Mm -hmm. One of the things I've coached people along the way is like meet the professors and the professor knows who the top three or four are. So do you actually have that back channel conversation and say, (laughs) come on, come on coach, which ones?
2: I, uh, I do what I can to, to dig into that. Um, one thing that I started doing in my last round of interviews, I talked to almost everyone from the, the last full stack camp. Uh, and I started asking each person to pay a compliment to someone else in, their, in the camp. Uh, and that gave me a really interesting sense of uh, who other people thought uh, were the really top
0: players. That's a that's a pro tip there. I, I like love that. that. Yeah, that's, that's great. a great one. So now, because in, in this episode we want to talk about like the challenges, the hurdles, the struggles, um, the amount of time that you need to now invest in coming here and being aware of those apprentices. How did you work that into your schedule? And and because you had to make you're busy, right? So you had to mm-hmm. make time for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think choosing
2: your people, uh, is one of the most important decisions you can make as a leader. Uh, so I think, it's just, it's sort of something that we do in an ongoing way. Uh, I try to allocate a certain amount of time to invest in, uh, and just keeping an eye out on what, what's happening with the community, uh, who's, who's joining into it. Uh, and so, um, it, it, that, that effort has ramped up uh, with the, the graduation of the full stack.
1: But, um, but it's, it's just something we're, we're always allocating into the schedule, I'd say. And one of the things that we've done from the perspective of the program is is tried to make uh, this process as efficient as possible for our employer, employers. So we've done a few things from kind of being able to send out resumes and profiles ahead of time so that they can kind of preview and determine who they want to talk to. I mean, we encourage them to talk to as many as possible, but Mm -hmm. we know they're going to have kind of people that that more are in alignment with either their technical stack that they're looking for or just the culture fit that they're looking for. And then we also try to do as much kind of group uh, events or, or interview uh, opportunities as possible. So for the last uh, boot camp graduation, we actually did what we called a Meet the Employer Day. Uh, we, we almost kind of considered it speed dating. It happened to be on Valentine's Day, coincidentally. <laughs> uh, but we we basically had 13 companies in a room. And did 10-minute interviews where each of our uh, candidates would kind of go from table to table meeting with uh, different employers. And the idea wasn't to complete an entire interview, but usually in that first 10-minute exchange, you're going to determine who you want to give a full interview to. Mm -hmm. And that gives a little more uh, context and depth than you're going to get from just looking at a resume.
0: I think also that there there's a different opportunity for employers and in terms of being a partner with the program as opposed to just a, a, a hiring agency, a staffing firm that I just call, hey, I'm going to put in my order. I need these kind of people. Who do you got? That's that transactional piece rather than the relationship so that. Um, Slow Partners actually has a relationship with the, the employers and helps them through this. So they really, I, I feel like you go out of your way to understand specifically what they're looking for, because it's a, it's kind of a niche hire as well.
1: It is. And, you know, Ryan said it well, San Luis Obispo is a tiny community in general. The business and entrepreneurial community is even smaller and the tech business and entrepreneurial (laughs) community is even smaller still. So the more we can do to really engage with our employer partners and establish a a feedback loop where we get an understanding of not only the, again, skill sets that they're looking for, but the, the types of uh, personality and psychographics that they're looking for, we can make pretty good recommendations. Usually, about you should talk to these three or five people, and these three or five other people might be better suited to go meet with this other employer. So we really do try and uh, create that feedback loop to optimize everybody's time. So along
0: this path, I'm I'm guessing there are some challenges, and this one comes to mind is more paperwork involved with hiring apprentices? Tell me about that.
1: There can, there is indeed. And we know that from, and and from my perspective as an employer and having participated with the program before I was consulting and working on the program, the the idea of there's this state registered apprenticeship program that um, I'm going to have to Sign my life away to and, you know, I'm from the government and I'm, and I'm here to help, um, you know, kind of idea is a scary thing for business owners and they don't want to open themselves up to any kind of liability or even just additional overhead and burden of time required to participate in the program. They they want the talent. They, they need the talent uh, and, and they love the, kind of the product that we're producing in the form of the apprentice candidates that we're graduating but if it is at all burdensome to their normal day-to-day operations they won't uh, you know be able or willing to participate so we've done our best to obfuscate the real high-level bureaucracy and implemented some things like setting up DocuSign for all of the paperwork and uh, minimizing as much as possible uh, the, the number of forms that they have to sign and the kind of ongoing reporting requirements, we really try and make it as seamless as possible so that we are basically the layer that sits on top of the registered apprenticeship to really kind of be the intermediary between the, the state bureaucracy and the employers so that they can just get the benefit and the value of the apprentice candidate without having to deal with kind of the, the complexity of the reporting required. So you're the buffer. We are the buffer.
0: I, li- I like that, and I bet you like that as well. Oh yeah, right.
2: Yeah, um, it's interesting. Uh, I keep thinking about what you said earlier about the transactional versus uh, relationship-driven approach, and it seems to me that taking it from that that single point where there's an interview and then there's a hire, and then it's then you're part of the company, and spreading it out more so that it's this more ongoing relationship and and even in their first days of hire, it's it's trying them out and knowing that they're still learning and stuff. That seems like a good thing for both the employer and the, um, the, the apprentice program. Um, but I can also see what you were saying, Luke, about how that's just not what employers are used to. They're used to this this point in time transaction. And so it might feel to them like it is more bureaucracy to be doing uh so i I can see that that's the challenge you 've got to, to to balance
1: it is and it's you know it's interesting apprenticeship is an age old concept right i mean it existed in in the in the gilded age right uh, but the idea of applying it to technical jobs and more professional white collar jobs mm. is is relatively new so if we were to go into a welding shop or, you know, an, an electrical uh, uh, union, an electrician union, they would completely understand the notion of kind of gradually onboarding somebody and getting them up to speed and training them on the job and all of that, uh, and, and that's very comfortable and familiar to them. The kind of education burden of our program is teaching employers in these more white-collar professions how they can leverage that same model, um, but they are going to have to slightly adapt. And there's a quid pro quo in that these professions right now, especially technical professions, are desperate for talent. It's really challenging, especially in a smaller community like we are, to find technically competent people. So there's a trade-off where you, you kind of have to be willing to you know, adapt to this model And in exchange, you're provided with access to talent that would just never come across your door otherwise.
0: So, Ryan, I'm curious, how many apprentices have you brought on, have you brought in through the program? So I believe we've hired two uh,
2: people so far through the program, Um, uh, but we're looking, you know, uh, three actually. Um, in, in two different programs that have happened. And we're now on the third program and looking at uh, a number of candidates uh, that I'm, I'm hoping our
0: team leads pick. So I'm guessing uh, the, the first one was challenging in terms of overhead and figuring it out. And then that gets easier. My question is, uh, because one of the tenets here is that this is a year-long program. They're an apprentice for a year. They have a supervisor attached to them, who's also in some ways a mentor and you know, kind of helping like the old world model of apprentice, but this is a modern apprenticeship. What was the conversation like with the first supervisor when you said, we have a new idea. We're going to bring in an apprentice, and this is your require this is what we're going to need you to do. Tell tell us about that. Sure. Um so we may be a little
2: more primed for it in our organization, in that uh, uh, the particular skills that we seek uh, at our company uh, aren't aren't particularly available in, in slow, and and maybe even in general. And so we have had a, a fairly good pattern of of hiring someone with minimal skills on the assumption that we would train them up. Um, but there is definitely a um, a feeling out there um that that you want to hire for the existing experience and uh um that can be a challenge for 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 these apprentices that they just don't have as much experience as someone who has a computer science degree and and, and that sort of thing um so i i would say to uh to a supervisor that uh had hesitations on that that you've got to think about not just the starting point but the trajectory um i i i heard a podcast recently for the the math oriented people that it's you hire for slope rather than y intercept um wow nerd alert yeah <laughs> look out um i really like that because i uh, someone who who may have more experience might be at a point you know where they're uh they're more established they're more confident and they're less driven you know they're less they're they're happy to to stay at where they are whereas someone who has made the choice To go into a program like this is, um, is, you know, that was an intentional choice. Uh, I think with that comes some motivation that you don't see uh, in, in some sometimes in the more experienced
1: candidates. And the other thing that we see, and there's there's really strong data to back this up, that candidates that go into a new career path through apprenticeship are tremendously more loyal to the companies that they start mm-hmm. with then you know somebody coming out with a four year degree or even somebody that's more experienced and has been in industry for 3 to 5 years there's there's a you know when 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 this is the first place that that gave you your shot and trained you up and took you from 0 to you know 55 miles an hour there, there's a, a willingness to grow with that organization um, and a little bit less, I think, entitlement uh, than you see in some other scenarios. Mm-hmm.
0: Just before you answered that question, <clears throat> I thought about Hamilton, and I'm not throwing away my shot, right? <laughs> they they have this shot. They're either mid-career, they're retraining, they they're at. They feel like they've gotten to the top of wherever they could get, and now they hear about this program. And for a um, not insignificant, but not overwhelming amount of time investment, they can upskill themselves. And in fact, um, Ryan, were you a little surprised at actually how skilled they were when they came in?
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, A specific example, uh, uh, one of our employees came through the QA program, uh, and that one was really geared toward uh, uh, it was really driven by company input, as I understood. Uh, so they practiced a lot of the real world business things that we do, uh, like practiced uh, operating in a team, <coughs> a, a doing sprints of two weeks, operating off of a, a scrum board. Um, those are things that uh, I don't usually expect someone to be trained in out of college. You just they, they, There's not much education on that. Um, and so to, to see someone with real world practical experience uh, is really nice. Uh, we still, you know, there's still things to learn, um, but they're different things
1: than uh, where, where you, you usually have to teach. And that's a really, you know, important point that apprenticeship is completely designed to train the skills and only the skills that are specifically relevant for the, the career and job that they're, they're going to be going into. You know, four-year degrees are incredibly important, and they teach a much broader swath, you know, of content. But there, there is an element of theory there, of of teaching the the, the theory and the, you know, the the broader ideas and concepts rather than the very tactical, practical, um, you know, uh, actionable skill set. And that is really what apprenticeship is about, and it that is really where the value is, I think, for employers and for a candidate that is is more interested in, you know, what is the return on investment of my time to skills that will yield me, you know, head of household income at some point sooner than later. And, and Luke,
0: I think that through this relationship with the businesses, you identified that early on that it wasn't just the skills. It was all those technical skills, turn this three times, then turn that, take this whatever that is, but it's all that other bit, soft skills. And specifically that conversation that is evolving through a wide range of these customers, if you will, the mm-hmm. employers, you've been able to kind of customize and fill in all these gaps. So when they apprentice drops in, they actually fill that gap very nicely.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, from my background being an employer and, and hiring people and managing people there is so much, in my perspective, more value on finding somebody who's a quality employee, quality team member, uh, and and somebody that is a, is a culture fit. I can teach just about any technical skill, but I can't make somebody who's a jerk, not a jerk, you know? And so the, the fact that these people, by and large, have had some kind of a uh, on the job experience been an employee, some of them have even had careers in in you know one one direction or another just hasn 't happened to be a career in software development or or i t uh, the fact that we can we can take those people, give them just the technical aspect, but not have to you know rebuild all of their um, kind of core being, and present them to these employers who really truly value that aspect of, of uh, the candidate that they're seeing.
0: So, Luke, I'm gonna I'm gonna have you put your hat back on of being an employer rather than working in the program. And when you brought in your first apprentice, what what was your biggest concern, and was that a uh, did that come true, or were you surprised?
1: You know, I think my biggest concern was was you know really about kind of the the speed at which that this person would would come up to speed, right? When you when you bring somebody in who's more junior, there you never really know until you get them in the trenches and get them working um, how fast they're going to be productive, right? As as an employer, you're willing to put in time up front to train people, but when you're committing to bringing on somebody through an apprenticeship, is it going to be a month before they're actually providing me value or six months or a year? Uh, and I was really surprised with how fast uh, the person that we hired initially was able to uh, be productive and effective. And And that was a little bit about the technical skills she had gained through the program, but just as much about her kind of hunger and ambition and collaborative ability to get within our team and learn very quickly. You know, they're, they're great learners more than just about anything else.
0: Ryan, this is uh, the slope you were talking about earlier. Exactly. Right. Yep. You see, I saw you figured that out <laughs> instantly when he said that, have you, have you had the same experience?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's been, uh, any employee requires investment. Um, and so having someone who, yeah, who, who's primed to, to learn um, is, has, yeah, w- worked out well, I think.
0: When you're thinking about your expansion plans and growing the business, what role does Slow Partners have in that? Do you kind of talk to them and say, listen, over the next three years, this is what we're looking to do and we're looking for these kinds of people? Have you had that kind of conversation? I have not
2: yet no um, I have been following along more as a, a passive observer so far uh, and have been excited about the boot camps happening um, but that's an interesting point to uh to kind of have those more back and forth proactive
1: uh, relationship and that's a that's kind of a, a good point about the program overall and where it's at it truly has been you know, we think of ourselves more of an ed tech startup than we do, you know, a a government organization or anything like that. And we have really been in kind of launch, learn, iterate, and, and, you know, launch and learn again. And so we are in this phase now where we feel like we've gotten a lot of feedback and we're ready to start to become more systematized and repeatable and Uh, be able to have that conversation with employers where we know enough about how to operate efficiently that if they tell us in six months, I'm going to need five people, we can kind of back into that and have a plan to be ready with five people at that time. So that's still an evolution for us, but we're on that trajectory now.
0: Yeah, that's exactly where I was going. Thinking about this, again, this long-term relationship, I'm anticipating future needs and then filling product in, if you will, uh, to, to meet those needs. Mm-hmm. Um, so last thoughts on things. If you were talking to an, another business, you're you know out having a beer and you're talking to someone and they're bemoaning the fact that they can't find good people. It's so hard to find good people. Um, what do you say to them? I would absolutely recommend that they
2: check out this program. Um, There's probably some effort in working with them to wipe away preconceptions of what is going to make a good candidate, that a good candidate doesn't necessarily need to have a four-year degree. Now, not to discount that, there is value to that, um, but it's usually not in the junior beginning roles. Um, So... Working with them to uh, get them past any of those preconceptions and, you know, bringing them to the program uh, and and seeing just meeting the candidates. I think they would be surprised at how uh, motivated and intelligent uh, the the candidates are
0: coming out of the program. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining us, uh, both you guys, and helping us dispel some of those myths uh, that the business owners might have. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Mark. Thank you for listening. How will you bring this system to your community and say hello to new careers and goodbye to low-wage jobs? For more episodes, visit hellocareers.org or send us a note to podcast at hellocareers.org. We'd love to hear from you with questions or success stories of how apprenticeship is working in your region. Till next time, I'm Mark Sylvester with Hello Careers.